There we go. There we go. Here we are. We are we are actually live and uh, talking to the internet. So congratulations. You're uh, right now. You're talking to zero people, but soon, <laughs> soon we'll have more. So, yeah. um, all right. So uh, welcome anybody that watches this this lovely program we have here. Uh, my name is Mike Mills. I'm a Verity Mortgage, and today I have um, Leanne Rand with me. She is with uh, Front Real Estate here in Arlington. We're in Mansfield today, but does real estate all over town and um, wanted to bring her in today because um, we want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the market as a buyer specifically um, because due to all the conditions that have kind of occurred, um, the market has shifted quite a bit. Um, we're actually kind of leaning more towards buyer's market now than we have been. We were very heavily in the seller's market realm for a long period of time and now we've kind of shifted out of that. So, um, and as scary as it may be with high rates and um, everything that's involved with um, the market changing like it has, there are a lot of opportunities for buyers that, you know, they may not be aware of um, because, you know, the fear of buying a house right now and the uncertainty of the economy and, you know, you're paying a higher interest rate compared to what it was before um, tends to put a lot of people in a position right. where they're just, they're nervous about it. So we're going to talk a lot about that, um, you know, kind of get Leanne's perspective on it being a relatively new agent. Uh, right. She's been in the business for a couple of years, but um, but also has had some experience in real estate, which led her into that. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that and then hopefully, you know, give you guys some tools uh, to help your buyers understand what opportunities are available to them. You know, our job is as real estate professionals, whether you be an agent or a lender like myself, is to provide our customers with information on the current market conditions. And with that information, let them make their own decisions that's best for them and their family. Um, but there's certainly some information that a lot of buyers and sellers aren't necessarily aware of because they don't do it every day. So um, we want to try to answer some of those questions and, you know, help I, help point people in the right direction so they can make the best decision. But all that's uh, industry stuff that you know gets boring after a little bit. I'm way more interested in the people. So, um, so Leanne, uh, you uh, came from a background of you were doing flip houses, you were involved in real estate investing, and then ultimately decided to get into real estate. So, so tell me a little bit about your journey. How'd you get from you know flipping houses to selling houses and everything in between? And then I know you got some kiddos, and right, right. so so what happened all there? Well, my background or my degree is in accounting. So I started as a CPA and then I started having kids and kind of left that profession. And I was a stay at home mom while I was raising my kids. Um, ended up being a single mom when my youngest was just an infant. So that was 20 years ago. Oh, wow. So I've been a single mom for that long. And so. So you've been sledding by yourself. Been, I have been. Yeah. I have been. And investing in rental properties. Um, Flipping houses, things like that allowed me to have a flexible schedule and still uh, be at all of their events and activities while I was raising them. I was active in the PTA and all the way from elementary school through high school with all of them. So it was really a good way to stay involved and have that income coming in. So how did you go from being a single mom to flipping houses? I mean, that's a, you know, a lot of times you think about your one income household in a lot of cases, right? Mm -hmm. You're, yeah. you know, making it to get by. So, yeah. so how'd you get from that? How'd you make that jump? Um, like what was your first, just, what was your first investment or flip? Like what, what was the very first one that you the did? The very like, first, well, I, I did, I started just buying rental properties as I could okay. and doing that. And then, uh, I had my sister and my brother-in-law come and fix up one of the rental properties okay. and they decided they were, they had a 
lawn care business at the time, but they were really good at that sort of thing too. And so they came and started working with me and we started um, buying things that needed to be fixed up and okay. flipping them. And I had a partner, uh, Carol Ann, you uh -huh. know, Carol yes, Ann. yes, we were a partner. We started a pixie dust properties nice. and love the name. Both, pixie yeah, dust we were both single moms <laughs> and, um, you know, it was just something fun to do with her yeah. and something we could both do together. And we'd invested together on these properties. And oh. then my brother-in-law and my sister would come and fix them up and we'd flip them and, it just got to be so kind it was a whole of what family affair. It was a family affair. It really yeah. was. Yeah. And so we just went from that to, and just got a little bit bigger. And then things kind of slowed down after a while with the, the deals just weren't out there for yeah. flipping. And the kids grew up and went off to college. And then I was an empty nester uh -huh. here. So all of my kids went out of state to college and have kind of stayed out of state. Those damn so, kids, man. They I don't know, appreciate it. Like, you get to hang out with mom for a little bit and you're taking off to <laughs> right. Nebraska or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well, not Nebraska, I know, but, but um, my son's out in LA with his oh, wife and okay. they just had my first little grandbaby. Uh, congratulations. Yeah. All right. How old is she? She is four months old. And what's her name? Yeah, Penelope. Penelope. Yeah, okay. How yeah. many times have you been able to Oh, I've see seen, her? I just got back from seeing her last weekend. Um, uh, I see her about once every couple of months. Okay, so, that's good. Yeah, I've seen her a few times. Hard now, to leave so when you got to go. It's very hard. It's very hard. And yeah. then uh, my daughter Macy is out in New York. Okay. She's trying to make it on Broadway. Oh uh, wow! You know, auditioning and yes. things like that. So she's is she a, great, a dancer, singer, actor? She's a singer, actress. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So how did she get into uh, that? That's pretty. Oh, she just all through all the way through high school. Well, she was little, I guess, when I took her to her first play. Uh -huh. I took her to see Annie. At um, I think it was at the Creative Arts Theater School that used to be in Arlington. Okay. It's not there anymore, but she yeah. loved it, and she said, "That's what I want to do." So and she just, knew right from the she jump. She knew from I think that was in first grade, and wow. so she was in productions all through, um, you know, at that theater, and then um, at the schools and through high school, and then she went to the Boston Conservatory for college. Wow! And she got her degree in uh, musical theater. It takes a lot yeah. to get accepted into a school yeah, like that, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah. audition process is crazy. Right. And um, she got accepted there and graduated from there. And a lot of her friends are in New York now from school. Okay. And they're all just trying to make it, you know? Everybody's just struggling not, to try to get yeah, through it. Yeah. How long has she been in New York? She's been in New York for three years, I think. Now. So she was there during COVID? Yeah, she was. Yeah. yeah. She was actually on a national tour of a show that she was in during COVID and that got shut down. She was in a children's production of um, Charlotte's Web. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. And they were in Memphis at the time when the world shut down and they shut down the show and that's she gotta got to be devastating home. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you're on a tour and well, especially because like so. at the time, like you didn't know what was going to happen, yeah, you know, yeah. that could have been the last thing that you right. last show you ever did yeah, because you yeah. never knew when that stuff was coming back. So that just, yeah, the whole industry just shut yeah. down. And so now she's working in a coffee shop there. She has great friends and she's just loving life that's in awesome. New York, auditioning for whatever comes up and we'll see what happens. Hey, yeah. that's an awesome life to have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when you, uh, you get to live in New York city, you know, obviously it's expensive to live there, but yeah. still, you know, that experience and that life, that, that, uh, lifestyle is, uh, is very attractive. I yeah. can definitely see. And you yeah. got one on each coast. You yeah. got the well, West and then coast I have two more. I have, uh, two girls in San Diego that oh, are wow. in college there. Okay. So Lily is in at the university of San Diego in her senior year. Okay. And then Chloe is at uh, San Diego State University. Right. And she's also borderline junior, senior year. We're hoping she's going to get to graduate this year, too, if okay. all of her classes are available that she needs. Right. So, But they're both yeah. at the school together? 
two different schools, oh, two, but, but they live city. together. Yeah, okay. they're they're sharing an apartment together, but they're at two different schools. There, well, I mean, that's so. good. They have each other. Yeah. And their brother's they're not the that far away. Yeah, right? brother. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where everybody is. And I'm just here. And that's basically how I got into real estate. Once yeah. I was here by myself and like, what am I, gonna do? I thought, yeah, <laughs> I just, I'd always thought about it, you know, and I thought yeah. I'm going to go ahead during COVID, you know, I thought I'll take the classes and get my license. And so that's kind of how that progressed. And yeah. Yeah. Well, and uh, from, from the day you got your license and started selling to fast forward to today, October, mm -hmm. or I guess November of 2022, um, you can definitely say you've existed in two very different markets, yes, right? Yes, very different. So tell me what it was like when you first came in and then compare it to right. what you're experiencing now. When I first came in, I, it was easy to sell a house and I had listings and, you know, you wouldn't have to do too much. You would just post them, you yep. know, get them listed and then you would just have offers and buyers and, you know, that was last year. And then this year I have listings and it's much harder and yep. it's, yeah, I told my brother, I said, I've never had to do this one. It's hard before, so we'll see how it goes. But it's, uh, you know, you just you just don't have the traffic on the listings and it's discouraging. Yeah. Um, yeah. What are you dealing with from, you know, expectations wise when you're talking to your sellers and trying to help them understand, you know, what's what's occurred? Like what what are some of the what are some of the questions they're asking you? And then what are you you know, what are you having to try to explain to them to help them understand that this just isn't what it was eight yeah, months ago. Yeah. Well, the first thing when they were listing, they said, are we too late? You know, mm -hmm. are we too late? And I said, I don't think so. Houses are still selling, Yeah. but they're staying on the market a little bit longer. Right. And you might be on the market 30 days or 50 days before you get that one really good offer, but they are still, houses are still selling and mm -hmm. offers are still coming in. It's just not like what it was. No. So it's it's not a bad time to be selling a house. It's just not as easy as it was well, this time last year. We're just at a we're at a transition, right? right? And um, we we were in such a heavy seller's market for the last two years because, like a normal balanced, you know, they use what's called um, uh, months of inventory as like a measuring stick for mm -hmm. how healthy or what direction the market is or whatever. And generally speaking if you're in a balanced real estate market to where there's no true advantage for buyers and there's no true advantage for sellers, you can have anywhere between say five to six months of inventory. So mean, what that basically means is if you, if you have a hundred houses for sale, then you are going to sell 20 houses a month and that's five months. And if you didn't list any other houses, then you'd be out of inventory at that period. So, um, so that's kind of, you know, what a balanced market would look like. Well now, or, at least prior to today, we were in such a heavy seller's market right. that at any given point, I think we had less than one month of inventory available. So you had a situation with sellers where they would list their house for say $300,000 and they ended up selling it for 350 or 360 because they would have 25 people offering on the house, right? Did you experience that? Yeah. 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 And so with your, with your sellers at that time, that was great, right? You, it, it was, it was easy. The hard part was right. fielding all the calls from the yeah. buyers, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Feeling, you know, analyzing each of the offers and seeing, you know, the little details in each one that made them mm -hmm. stand out. And, and what did you do yeah. with the FHA and VA offers that were coming in? Well, you had to consider them. Yeah. You, you had, had to consider, consider them. them. And, but yeah, but it, was they probably hard. Were being taken. it was hard. No, yes. no. And, and I think that's what a lot of sellers or a lot of buyers were. The frustration for buyers at that time was that if you were an FHA buyer mm -hmm. or if you were a VA buyer or any type of, you know, 
I hate to call them government loans because they're not issued by the government, but they're government insured loans. Mm-hmm. Um, they have certain restrictions that come along right, with them, especially right. like quality of a property. Like one of the big things for FHA buyers was um, with a conventional loan, you can offer over the list price. And at the time there was, and there still is an amendment, you know, that you could mm-hmm. sign and say, I'm offering 350 for your $300,000 house. And I'm waiving my right to the appraisal. Not that we're not right. going to get an appraisal, but I'm just saying, regardless of what it appraises for, yeah, I'm we're paying pay 350. Yeah. Right. So the seller had a guarantee to know, okay, well, I'm going to be able to sell that house for that price. Right. Whereas with FHA, for example, you can't do that. Right. You can, you could, I mean, I think that we even got some aides that were, you know, filling out the appraisal waiver for the FHA loans. You're like, yeah. okay, well. <laughs> yeah, I had to tell several agents, <laughs> you can't do that. You can't do that. Uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's not allowed. So, yeah. um, with FHA loans, as a buyer, they wanted protection. FHA mm-hmm. is part of their guidelines is they want the buyer protected. So if you um, you could offer over and you could pay over for sure if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. You just couldn't guarantee it over. Right. So if I listed the house at 300 and I had an FHA borrower show up and offer 325, well, they could pay 325 and they could offer 325. But if the appraisal came in at 315, they had an out. Yeah. And they could get out, and then they wouldn't have they wouldn't even lose, lose their earnest money. Mm-hmm. So that was always a risk for sellers because, and that's why you saw the market shifted so heavy towards cash and conventional offers right. because there were so many people offering on the houses that yeah. you know yeah. you just you just didn't have a chance. And I think sellers are also scared off by the repairs that yeah. FHA requires or VA even. You know, they want certain things to be done before. Yeah, and I do, as a lender, I think there's a little bit of a misconception with the FHA and VA deals only because, don't get me wrong, there are certainly uh, certainly things that they have to look at. Like you can't have holes in the wall, you know, mm-hmm. uh, appliances got to be working, plumbing's got to be functional. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, you have to be able to walk into the house and live in it without any major issues. Right. Um, but in, even with VA, you know, they don't have quite as many restrictions. They're a little bit, mm-hmm. a little bit looser on that. Um, but... Uh, you know, but they have things like pest inspections and, and yeah. there's a misconception also too, I think in the real estate world on, for the agent side that VA loans are, are bad because they think the seller is going to have to pay for a bunch of stuff, but mm-hmm. that's just not true anymore. Right. I did a really clean VA deal yeah. and yeah, we didn't have any of those type of issues. I had a FHA deal where we did have, you know, a few things that they insisted on being repaired. Yeah. Um, and there's always going to be stuff yeah, like that, Yeah, you know, but that, that kind of left people, um, you know, or I should say that left sellers with the lack of wanting to sell to a VA right, or FHA exactly. buyer because they didn't have to, because again, mm-hmm. they, had all, they had all these other, other offers. offers. Yes. Yeah. They didn't have to do that. And so now it's, it's changed and mm-hmm. it's shifted a lot. So right. what is like, what are you telling your, your sellers nowadays um, when it comes to what their expectations would be to list their house? Well, you just, back a year ago, you know, it's like you might not have to fix anything, but now you are going to have to fix things. You might have to have some concessions. You might have to have small ounces. You know, you're going to have to bargain with this buyer and you're going to have to have things to intrigue them and to get them to want to buy your house. So it has shifted quite a bit Mm -hmm. as to where the, you know, the sellers used to be in charge and, and had a lot of leeway with what they could just say, I'm not going to make any repairs, you know, but, um, you just can't do that now. You have to be no. competitive. No, yeah. you do. And when you're um, when you're talking to your sellers about like where they start with their prices, because I think that was the other thing too is you know when the seller's market was before, you could list your house at the tip tip top and mm-hmm. even more than what the tip top was appraisal yeah. wise, right. and still feel pretty confident about getting mm-hmm. it. Um, now, 
if you do something like that, because there used to be the thought, well, we'll just list the high, high price, excuse me, list the house as high as we can. Mm-hmm. And then if it, when we start getting offers, you know, if it's less then we can always come down, but I don't know that you can do that now. Do you no, think? No, you have to start at a much more reasonable place right? and then be prepared to do a price improvement after a week or 10 days. If you're getting, you know, no interest. Mm-hmm. That's you see a lot of that going on right now. Yeah. It'll be listed and then after ten days or so you see a price improvement and then you might see another one and another one. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. Yeah, it's it's causing uh I I I would say I don't I was gonna say I feel bad for sellers, but I really don't. Just because <laughs> I mean really and truly unless you bought your house last year, like the people I feel sorry for right mm-hmm. now are the ones that paid $50,000 over, right. got a job transfer or something mm-hmm. and then had to sell that house and there's no way in the world they're getting their money back. Right. You know, for what That's they had true. put into yeah. it and pay over. So those people my my heart goes out to, mm-hmm. but but if you've lived in your house for the last 5 years and you have to sell it, well odds are you've got a pretty substantial amount of equity in right. there because we've been in a 20 20% appreciation clip for the last two or yeah, three years. Yeah. So, um, you know, you're not going to make, you know, the mint that maybe you thought you were, but you're still going to do pretty well, right. you know? And, right. um, I think that's the hard part is because the shift happened so quickly, you know, we mm-hmm. went from, Oh yeah. It happened very quickly. 2% rates to 7% rates yeah. in like less than six months. And then everybody freaked out and just put everything on pause, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so are you dealing well, let me actually one other thing about the sellers. Um, I think that there was an expectation. You said, you know, the house is listed for 10 days and then you'll see the mark come down and then, you know, whatever. Well, in 2017 and 2018 and 2019, you know, if a house sat on the market for 30 or 60 days, that really wasn't that unusual. Mm-hmm. Like it was pretty normal. And that's goes back to that balanced market. When you have four or five months of inventory, the average expectation in a house sitting on the market is about 60 days. Like mm-hmm. that's just about how long yeah. it's going to be there. Um, and that's okay. Nobody, cause I think what we deal with is expectations, right? Mm-hmm. What is oh, our yeah, buyer's expectation yeah. and what's our seller's expectation. Mm-hmm. So with our sellers, our expectation is coming out of the last two years, we're going to sell fast. We're going to sell at a high price and we're going to get, not have to do anything. Right. Like you said, yep. no repairs, yep. no nothing. And obviously that shifted and you guys now have the hard job of, you know, exp- talking to a seller that maybe hasn't been paying attention. I think everybody's mm-hmm. kind of caught up now. Yeah, I think so. Um, but even still, there's still little nuances to it that they don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you have to explain that stuff and go yeah. through and say, okay, well, yeah. here's how this is actually going to work. Right. And yeah. Are you finding success like in your listings actually offering like closing costs inside we of the listing? I haven't started doing that yet. That's okay. something I wanted to talk to you about today yeah. to see what your, what your thought was on that. But I, yeah, I haven't. We haven't done that yet. Well, my thought on it is, and I, um, I'm not an agent, so be very clear about that. Um, so if I say anything that's uh, incorrect, you can you can tell me or right. anybody else does. But um, if I were listing my house, um, I absolutely would put it in there. And part of my rationale is that if I'm selling my house, then I have right now, I have to sell right. it. Like right. nobody's selling their house for fun. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Definitely. Not in this market. Right. right. I mean, 12 months ago, there were plenty of people that I talked to like, yeah, we're going to list it, see what we can get, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, you got to buy something if you actually sell yeah. it. Right. You know? Um, but, uh, so I don't think there's too many people that are just listing for fun. Um, but what I do think is that if you are listing, then you have to sell your house one reason or another. And those first <clears throat> two weeks, you know, of, of listing, I think are really, really critical. Um, and to your point, when you talked about pricing it aggressively, that first 
first time out of the gate because that's when you get the most traction, right? Right. You know, those yeah. first two weekends mm -hmm. when the house is, you know, just listed, that's when you're going to get the most foot traffic through right. there because it's a new property and all the people that have been shopping want to go see it. Um, so I think you want to capture that. And then I also think that when it comes to the listing description, you know, you can tell me the the buyers that you have dealt with in the past. I know you do mostly listings, but the, the buyers that you have dealt with, um, would you say a good portion of them are searching for stuff before, like they're looking on Zillow or yes, or Red? Oh, definitely, right? Yeah. So they're they're checking stuff out before they call. Hey, say I yes. want to see this house. Mm -hmm. Now you're sending them the drips, and you still have the stuff going to them, but right. but they're definitely they're gonna... definitely they definitely say, what about this one? You know, can right. we go see this? Yeah. Yeah. So. If that's the case, which I feel like it is for most people, then when they look at a house on Zillow, they're going to see the description. And in that description is what you put in there as the listing agent. Mm -hmm. So if in that description, it says something like, you know, offering $10,000 worth of closing costs or percentages, I'm not sure what the rules are and what you can put. Right. Um, but I think that's going to catch people's eye, even if they don't particularly love the house mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, if you say you're giving them $10,000 to buy the house, well, I mean, let's go see it, you know, let's see yeah. what they, yeah. what they do. And I even think, you know, just from layman consumer looking at something, I don't know if I didn't have to, and again, I don't know the rules, but if I didn't have to put 2% or 3% or 4% or whatever the number was, because again, as an agent, you really don't know what you can give them because it depends on the buyer's loan. Exactly. So if a buyer's doing an FHA loan, they can mm -hmm. do 6% of the total purchase price towards the seller or towards the, the seller towards the buyer. Right. Um, if they're doing a VA loan, it's 4% that they can do as concessions. Um, if you do a USDA loan or excuse me, a conventional loan, then it depends on your down payment. So it could be 3%. If you put 5% down, it can be, um, I believe it's 4%, no, 6% at 10% uh, or more. And if you put down 20%, you can do nine. You can get 9% of your closing cost paid, um, which there's no closing costs on the planet that cost that much. Yeah. <laughs> but but what it does do is if you can get that much money, you can buy your rate down. So that everybody freaked out about having high rates, mm -hmm. you could actually buy your rate down a point or two sometimes. I mean, right. you need quite a bit to do that much, but um, but that can help you with your payment, that can help you mm -hmm. with your cash, everything. So as a seller or a listing agent, I don't know, you know, how much if you can put a dollar amount, but to yeah. me, if you could, the dollar amount's way more attractive than the percentage because mm -hmm. I just think people's brains, right? you know, right. they see a two with a percent, like, okay, well, what is that? You know, they're not calculating it in their head that quickly or most people aren't. But if you put $10,000, you may not be able to give $10,000 depends on the list price mm -hmm. and all that other mm -hmm. stuff. Um, but, um, but I think that's going to catch people's eye and then they're going to reach out to right. their agent and they're going to say, Hey, let's yeah. go look at this house. Can that's we go see it? Point. Yeah. You know? Um, and if you're sending them the drips and they come out, you know, through MLS, like you guys do, uh, you're generally speaking, if you're a buyer's agent, you're not looking at each one of those listings as they go out because you're like, well, if they see something they like, they'll, yeah, let, they'll me know. let me know. Right. Um, so again, the buyer is the one that is seeing those numbers. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why I do think there's a definite benefit uh, to putting that in there just because you're going to get a lot. I feel like you're going to get a lot more eyeballs and a lot more traction in listings coming through, or I should say buyers coming through right. than you would otherwise. I do have a listing right now that I think that's our next step on yeah. is to put something like that in the description mm -hmm. well and an it's weird why do you think I, so i'm curious from your point of view buyers have and even sellers i think sometimes in their head 
because of the way it's phrased, like mm-hmm. the seller's paying the closing costs, they balk at that. But if they said, well, they're going to offer $10,000 less instead of two forty, they're offering two thirty. They're like, okay, that's okay. So why, why do you think that just those, I mean, it's the same, but why do you yeah, think that it's is the same? I don't know. I had the same question. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you the same question. Do you know, what's the difference between lowering the price or offering closing costs? Well, the thing is, there is no difference. It's exactly the same. That's that's the weird part is that the money is the same. If yeah. I offer 300000 or let's say the house is listed for three ten, and I offer 300000 then the buy, the seller gets 300000 If it's listed at three ten, and I offer three ten, and I ask for 10000 in closing costs, the seller's getting 300000 okay. like, They're getting the same. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make any difference. But for whatever reason, I think it's like maybe a psychology or a psychological thing. Where and I really hear more with buyers than I do for sellers. You know, we're not because obviously I talk to buyers every day. Um, but you know, they'll say, "Well, why would they give me money to buy their house?" I'm like, "Well, because they want to sell their house." Yeah. <laughs> so, so and they want you to buy their house over somebody else's right. house. So right. they're going to offer you some sort of incentive to do yeah. that. Um, that's why they would do that. But but it does it does seem like a mental block for people mm-hmm. sometimes to kind of get past that. You know, did you have you run into that much with no, buyers? I haven't yet. No. Uh-huh. But yeah, I, I have the first listing that I'm going to do this on is probably one that I have now. And do you think See. your sellers will be amicable for that? I don't know. I think they will be. <laughs> I think it's been on the market for a few weeks now with not a lot of, not action. A lot of traction. I've got a showing tomorrow that looks promising. But mm-hmm. after that, I think that's when we will do something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I bet it's changed too on the listing side where you've had um, people that, you know, you could list your house as is. You didn't have to mm-hmm, do anything. Right. And now if your house isn't updated, cleaned, painted, you know, staged properly, staged, yeah. then you're not yeah, in the running it's sometimes. Just totally different ballgame now yeah. in such a short amount of time. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and it even went, I guess it flipped for agents too, because listing a house six, you know, eight, 12 months ago was easy because mm-hmm. you just yeah. put it up. Yeah. Now put I say easy. Yeah. You got to deal with the offers that come right. in or whatever. But from the selling side, like you don't have to you may be making some agents upset because you're not taking their offer, but your sellers are like, this is great. Yeah. You know, I don't have to do anything. I get all this money. This (laughs) is awesome. Um, But from a buyer's point of view, it was a pain in the butt for them. Well, now it's like flipped. Mm -hmm. And so now from a seller's point of view, you're like, no, 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 you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to give that. And they're like, what, what, why do I have to do all those things? But from a buyer side, they're actually getting all the benefits now. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where it's really shifted. Um, are you, have you worked with many buyers lately? No, no, I haven't. So one of the things that I run into with the buyer side of things is obviously rates, you know, they're terrified of interest rates and look, it does make a big difference. Yeah. I mean, even when I, you know, I, I have my math wrong a little bit probably, but cause I'm going off memory, but you know, let's say I'm working on a $300,000 purchase mm-hmm. and someone was getting pre-approved for it. Well, at seven and a half percent, which is kind of where rates are kind of floating around right now, give or take, depending on the situation. Um, you know, you're looking at three or four hundred dollars more per month, probably three hundred more per month than even at five, at five percent. Mm-hmm. Cause part of our conversations that we have with now is like, okay, here's what it is now, here's what your payment is, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But when rates come back down, which they will, yeah, most likely, um, but when that happens, then you you can get your payment here, you right. know, and it's usually two, three hundred dollars less. So a couple of percentage points. I mean, you're talking about two and a half points. That's, yeah. that's a lot. And it shifted quite a bit in that yeah. time. I think I had, I had one potential buyer and the first thing I always do is send them to you. Oh, and thank you very much. Yeah. So <laughs> you have a phone call with them yeah. and then 
um, sometimes it doesn't go too well after that once you give them the realities of what it looks like right yeah. now. A lot of them decide maybe now isn't the time right. for me to buy. And that's, that is really the, the toughest part right now is because, you know, and I'm sure you run into this talking with buyers and sellers too. Obviously you're a realtor. I'm a lender. We want to do loans. We want to sell houses. Like, mm -hmm. absolutely. Like I tell people this all the time, like, I'm not going to pretend like I'm trying to, this is all just, just what you should do. But, um, I do strongly believe that right now, I, well, first off, Anytime someone says, when's the best time to buy a house? I always say right now. It's just what it is. Yeah. But it has mostly to the fact that the appreciation values of homes go up so much, you know, on a year-over-year -year basis. But even more so right now, I think what a lot of buyers are missing or don't understand is that you you have opportunity right now. Mm -hmm. There was not opportunity six or eight months ago. It just right. wasn't. You didn't have an opportunity because if you were, like I said, if you were FHA or VA or you didn't have $100,000 in the bank to pay fifty grand over, then we are getting a house. Um, and especially not to mention the fact that, you know, go try to buy a $250,000 house 12 months ago. Yeah. They weren't there. Nope. You couldn't get them. <laughs> no way it was going to happen. Yeah. So, um, but rates were two and three and, you know, at 1.4%, like they were really low. And so that was a huge benefit for, for buyers, but they were also paying 50 or 60,000 over. And like we said before, they're never getting that money back once, once the house is purchased. So, um, but right now, buyers have a true advantage because there's so much less competition, mm -hmm. right? Um, I read investment you know, strategies and people that do this stuff all the time. And so Warren Buffett is somebody I read and listen to all the time. And he always talks about like fear in the market. And basically, his basic message is, is when people are buying, you should be selling. And when people are selling, you should be buying because there's opportunity in those environments. Because if you're selling, when people are buying up, you're going to get a good value for what you're selling. If you're buying, when people are selling, then you're going to pick up value from purchasing stuff that's, you know, at a lower right. price. And so, um, the biggest advantage that somebody could have right now is if they're looking to buy a house is that yes, the rate's going to be high and their payment's going to be high, but ideally that'll only be for a short amount of time. Exactly. 12 months, 24 months, maybe something like that. Um, and by the way, I'm going to get a t-shirt that says this because I say it all the time, but um, interest is a function of time. It's not a function of money. So when I purchase a house and I pay 20% interest, okay, or excuse me, let's say I pay 2% interest, but I pay that interest for 30 years because I live in the house, I'm going to pay a lot of money in interest, hundreds of thousands mm -hmm. of dollars, okay? If I have a credit card and I have 20% interest, then I'm going to pay, but I don't run a balance on that credit card, then I don't pay any money in interest because it, my rate's 20%, but it doesn't right. accrue. There's no interest accruing because there's no balance. Yeah. With a house, there's always interest accruing because there's always a balance until you pay it off. And so whether it's 2% interest or 20% interest, it's all depending on how long you have that interest as to how much it impacts your financial situation. Right. So if I have 7% interest or seven and a half or eight, whatever, it doesn't matter, but I only have it for 12 months or 24 months and I can, then I can get it to five or I can get it to four or whatever when the market adjusts, well, then I'm only impacted by that high interest rate for a short amount of time. Right, exactly. The problem is, is that if you don't buy a house right now, which I'm not saying you should because everybody's situation is what it is, um, but if, if the mentality is rates are too high, I can't buy a house right now because the payment's too much. I'm going to wait until rates come back down and then I'll buy. 
Well, so is everybody else. Right. Right. That competition is going to shoot up the minute the rates go down. That's right. And we're back to last year. That's correct. And, and oh, by the way, they don't have to go down that much for that to happen because mm -hmm. everybody's, well, when it gets into the twos and threes, look, this is just my opinion, but I don't think it's going to get to twos and threes unless we get into a really, really deep recession and have some issues. I don't see that happening because that was artificial. Um, I don't know how much you know this kind of stuff, but so people think that when you move interest rates or the Fed moves rates, they're moving mortgage rates. They're really not. Um, the Fed interest rate is the rate that banks borrow money from each other. That's what they pay each other to borrow money or borrow money from the Fed directly. Mm -hmm. And so then that, you know, I hate this word, but it trickles down into everything else. Um, but for mortgage rates, what the Fed was doing is they were buying mortgage-backed securities and they were doing what's called quantitative tight or quantitative easing, where they were purchasing mortgage-backed securities, which were then driving rates down because they were driving the rate, the demand for mortgage-backed securities up, which were driving interest rates down. Well, the minute that they stopped doing that, which was a few months ago, that's when you saw rates start to climb back up because there wasn't this behemoth in the market that was artificially purchasing up all these bonds that right. were driving rates down. So, so they stopped doing that and that made the rates, you know, jump way up. I mean, we, we went from 3% to 7%, like six. I mean, that's just crazy how mm -hmm. fast that goes. So, um, so when the rates move that quickly, um, you know, it's a shock to the system. Everybody's like, what, what just happened? Um, but if you're waiting for the rates to come back down, even if they come to five, Okay. Well, all, all of those people that are terrified because I wasn't going to buy a house at seven or eight. Well, as soon as it gets to five, well, it may not get any lower. So, and I can handle that. So let's go. Right. Right. And so then everybody's looking again. Mm -hmm. And so now we go back to a seller's market. We go back to paying 10, 15, $20,000 over. Um, and you know, we're, we're back in a situation where if you're a first time home buyer or you're trying to find something in the two to $300,000 range, kind of out of luck. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's uh that's not an ideal situation to be in, right? Would you think? Right, I agree. Yeah. Um, when you uh, when you got into it, what were you like into real estate in general? What were what were the things that you were hearing, and what is different about what your what it actually is versus what you thought it was going to be? Uh, I don't know that it's much different other than what's happening in the market. Just the market you know? changing. Yeah, just the market changing. Other yeah. than that, it's pretty much what I expected it to be. Okay. I mean, I'm learning a lot about uh, first-time home buyers and things like that. Well, just from talking to you, like the conversation we had the last time yeah. about um, the rate buy-downs that are going on now and things yep. like that. Yep. And um, I'm always learning more about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, that was something I wanted to talk to you about today, too. Uh, so you could explain, uh, you know, how much cash does a first-time home buyer have to come up with? Well, I to mean, buy a house these days. Really, right now, I mean, like I said before, you could probably get away with just having your down payment, mm -hmm. honestly. And FHA loans down payments three and a half percent. Conventional, if you haven't owned a house in three years, is three percent. Uh, VA zero, USDA zero. Um, so there are many. You know, if you're a VA buyer right now or a USDA, USDA, you have to kind of move live out in the country a little bit. But if you're trying to get one of those loans, there's literally circumstances where you don't need any money at all. Yeah. You know, yeah. you may have to pay for an appraisal. Maybe you have to pay for an inspection on the house. Obviously suggest that you do that. Right. Um, but outside of that, you could. What about cash for the buy down, the rate buy down? So the know? buy downs, um, the way those work, there's a couple different versions of it. You have a three, two, one, you have a two, one. Um, but 
you know, it's kind of one of those things where if you can get the seller to pay for the buy down, it makes a ton of sense. Um, if you are trying to do it on your own and you want to just buy the rate down, it usually doesn't make sense because the amount of money that it costs you, because to do a, say on average, let's say it's a $300,000 house, maybe three fifty, and you're buying the rate down. It's like a two, one buy down where and the way that works, by the way, is say right now the rate seven and a half percent, then for the first year, your rate's going to be five and a half. And then for year two, it's going to be six and a half. And then for year three and beyond, it'll be seven and a half. Okay. So it ticks up over time. Um, so it keeps your payment lower. And like I said, 2% on that, that could be three or $400 a month less. So if the seller's paying for it out of their pocket towards your closing costs or towards, it's actually a, um, um, uh, there are limits on closing costs that you can give, like we talked mm -hmm. about earlier. Yeah, depending on the loan. Time. Right. But um, with the buy downs, they don't apply because it's actually prepaid interest. So you can get as much as you want on that to some extent um, and not be considered in the seller concession. So you can get more. But you know, the average cost on that's probably twenty to twenty-two thousand dollars to get that to work. Um, there are a lot of builders that are doing that stuff because they're trying to get these houses gone. And then if you can find a house that will that you can negotiate with the seller to say, hey, your house is listed for 330. I comped it out. It looks like it'll comp out at 340. We were going to ask for 10, but we really want to get 20 because we want to use this buy down scenario. Mm -hmm. But so instead of offering 340, we're going to offer 350 or, you know, whatever the 10,000 over the list price was. Right. I think I said a different number, but um, then you can make that work because uh, the seller obviously gets what they want. They're trying to sell the house and then the buyer gets their lower, gets their rate down, you know. So, and if the seller's paying for it, then there's no skin out of, you know, out of their pocket or, whatever, or off their back. So, um, but it gets tough if the seller's not willing to cooperate to make that work just because of the cash outlay. So, especially for like first time home buyers, um, you know, the good news is, is A, there are houses in this area that you can buy for $250,000. They're available. Um, mm -hmm. I know of several around here. Um, are they your dream home? Mm. Probably not, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> probably not. Um, but uh, but it's way better than renting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And in six months or 12 months, whenever rates go down, uh, it's not going to be there anymore. Mm -hmm. So you can get a good price for a home. Um, you can get sellers to pay pretty much all of your closing costs, depending on the circumstances. If a house has been listed for a week and there's been 10 showings and there's mm -hmm. three offers. Right. You're not going to have much luck right. with that. Not going to get that strategy to work. But if the house has been listed for three or four weeks and they've done a price reduction once or twice, I would say it's a pretty good likelihood that you can mm -hmm. get that. Get that. I mean, literally right. all of your closing costs. They can't, just to be clear, the seller can't pay for your down payment. So they can't give you money for a down payment. You do have to have that. But they can pay all of your closing costs and you can add to the closing costs with the rate buy down. So another way to do a little bit better rate is let's say that you're buying a $350,000 house and your total closing costs are like, uh, let's say eight or $9,000, okay, $10,000, something okay. like that. You got escrows alone are like five grand. So, um, and then, but you're doing an FHA loan. So you can get, say, 16,000 because you can get 6%. Let's say you can get $16,000 worth of closing costs paid. Well, you only have 10, right? So you don't have another six. So the way that would normally work is if we don't add to the cost, which you say, why would I want to add to my cost? But if you don't do that, then that $6,000, the seller can't give you. 
So it just gets, you know, the seller gets to keep it basically. Um, So if you can negotiate that much, then what we would do as lenders is we would actually use the extra money to buy the rate down. Okay. Now you can't buy it down to the same degree, right? It's not like a two, one buy down where I can take you from seven and a half to six and a half, Mm -hmm. but I might be able to take you from seven and a half to seven and a quarter or seven and eight or 7%, Mm -hmm. depending on what the market does. So in that case, having that extra seller concession, even though the costs aren't going to be that high is a benefit to the buyer. And now sometimes that's a little confusing for buyers because they're like, wait a minute, you're telling me that my costs are going up. And I'm like, yes, we're going to, because I, I joke with people, but I'm like, if you can get it, I can spend it. Yeah, <laughs> I can spend exactly. it for you. Um, but but spending it is not like we're not making money off of it. It's it is we are taking the extra funds that the seller is willing to give you, and we are charging you half a point, full point, whatever the discount is, to get you a better rate to spend all of that money, so you don't leave any on the table. So at least it's a benefit for you, right? right. So that's the idea: is that get as much as you can. And then we'll figure out how to spend it so it helps you. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, so it's it's definitely something where if you're a buyer right now and you have gift funds you can get from a family member, uh, you have a 401k or retirement account that you can get your money out of. And by the way, if you have one of those, it ain't doing so well right now. <laughs> so there, <laughs> <I do. laughs> there might be better places to put it. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, it's definitely better than uh, than renting for sure, um, but there's a lot of places you can get your down payment from. Uh, the down payment assistance stuff. Uh, do you deal much with that? Or I you don't. Had... I know you and I had a conversation about that, and I really don't know a lot about that. So the way the down payment assistance there used to be, or here's whatever the first time home buyer loans. That's my favorite. Everybody calls it a, you know, we have these great first time home buyer loans. Okay. Well, there's no such thing. <laughs> there's a down payment assistance. And then there's a conventional loan. If you haven't owned a home in three years that you can put 3% down. But anyway, that's a pet peeve of mine. So okay. first time home buyer loans are marketing terms. Um, but the, uh, the down payment assistance stuff, um, there was a lot of those available when the market was going bananas. I mean, there was probably 15 or 20 at least, you know, around here. There's only three or four entities that do them, but within each one of those entities, they have like six or seven different programs for each one. And they all have different rules, varying degrees. Um, But the way that would work is um, let's say that I wanted 4% of my closing or my total purchase price given to me to use for my down payment and my closing costs. So that is something with down payment assistance can actually apply to your down payment. That isn't your money. Um, but the way that would work is if the rate, let's say right now the rate seven and a half percent, well, then the rate would be eight and a half percent. So you would pay a full point higher in rate to get that money. Okay. So it, it's always the same rates and costs are inverse of each other. Mm-hmm. If you have a lower rate, you're more than likely you're going to have higher costs. If you have a, lo- a higher rate, you're more than likely going to have lower costs. It's just how it works. So what they would do is they would charge eight and a half percent. You would take that rate and then um, and then you could actually refinance it or do whatever you want with it any period of time. Now, the difference between now and then was when they were doing that, then the rates were three and four percent. So the odds that that person. So if I was at three, then I was taking a four percent rate. Well, the odds that I'm going to refinance that four percent rate was very, very low because it was four percent you know, for a long time and the rates weren't enough of a difference to make sense to refinance. So y- you could technically refinance whenever you want. And there's no repercussions. 
So what happened when the market shot up like it did with rates is all of those bond programs and down payment assistance programs all basically contracted. And now there's only like four or five or six different ones that you can do. And the downside to those is you're still doing the same thing. Well, first off, I'm only getting 2% now. There aren't too many that do 3 or 4%. So you're not getting a ton, maybe 2 or 3% towards you know your total purchase price. Um, and then that money uh, has to go you know, to your down payment or your closing costs. And you're paying the eight and a half instead of seven and a half. But whatever money you get, six, seven, eight thousand dollars, whatever that number is, it goes as a second lien on your property now. So if you refinance that loan in most of them in three years, within three years, then you have to pay all that money back. Gotcha. So they're basically locking you in and saying yeah. for the yeah. next three years, you have to have this loan. I mean, you don't have to, you can refinance yeah. it. You just have to pay it back. Just lose that. Yeah. Right. So, um, and my whole thing with all of those is I think they're very effective in, in a lot of different circumstances. The problem is, is that um, I don't think people explain them well enough to buyers. Mm -hmm. And so they think they're getting either free money or something that's, right. you know, whatever. And it's really not. It's just, if you, ex again, from where I started in the beginning, as long as we explain it and we give them all the details and all the information, then we have to let them make their decision on whether or not it makes sense. Right. And I would say the cases that it makes sense is if you're renting and your, you know, your landlords just raise your rent another twenty percent, which by the way is happening across yeah, the board. Absolutely. Um, then you're going to be way better off taking it, you know, a little bit in the short term, having the higher rate, paying the cost, so that way you can, you know, benefit of having the appreciation of the house. Because again, like we said earlier, once the rates shift, which they more than likely will, it's just a matter of when then you're going to see the frenzy go up, which then is going to make the appreciation of the houses go up. So now all the houses are going to be worth more. So if you buy a house today for 300000 it's going to be worth more in five years than it is right. today. Right. So, and all that appreciation that you pick up is, it's not free money. It's it's like found money. It's, you know, you didn't have to earn it. You just are literally living in your house and you made $50,000, right. you know, for existing. Yeah. So it's not the worst thing in the world. Right. Right. Um, do you, are you doing anything different as far as like, you know, your, your marketing or your, you know, working your sphere a little bit more? Like what, what kind of habits have you kind of put yourself into to try to change or adjust to the market as it's changed? Well, I'm trying to do more and trying to do different things. Um, just trying to get, get it out there on more different channels yeah. and um, blast it out to different markets and yeah. things like that. So things I didn't really have to do last year. Right. So, but yeah. you, you say you do a lot, you did a lot with the PTA stuff. So you have a yeah. pretty good circle of people I do. from yeah. that. Yeah. Are you just reconnecting it's, with them mm -hmm. and reconnecting with people and, yeah. um, yeah, getting, I have a lot of, I'll list a house in a neighborhood that's close to one of our schools and I'll, I'll know all the neighbors around there, yeah. you know, and yeah. get them involved on, you know, help me find you a new neighbor. Oh, that's know, right. Things yeah. Like that. So, yeah. You get them in there and yeah. tell them, Hey, help me find somebody yeah, that you want to live exactly. next door to. Exactly. We'll give you some approval process on that. But it's, I'm always trying to think of ways to, mm -hmm. you know, to market more and get it out there. Cause I, like, you're right. Last year I didn't have to do that. You know, you could just list it on MLS and, that would be all you'd have to do. Yeah. So being a listing agent the yeah. last couple of years has been, you know, again, aside from dealing with all the offers has been pretty easy, yeah. but yeah. you know, now it's kind of like, if you can get on the buyer side of things, you're going to have a greater mm -hmm. advantage and have a little bit, right. again, they're few and far between, you know, so that's the, yeah. that's the rub, but I've worked with a few buyers, but they've, nobody has really followed through yet. I mean, they've gotten discouraged and yeah, they might be back, yeah. but yeah, they get a little discouraged. <laughs> The payment stuff is hard. It really is. Yeah. Um, 
my big fear, and I was I had lunch with another agent this this afternoon, mm-hmm. and we were talking about this as well, is that when you look overall at how many houses are being built right now, um, the number is declining. Um, it's not actually you would think. Because even right now, with the market as loose as it is, or I should say, as tight as it is, with no buyers, you know, beating down doorways, um, there's still only like less than two months of inventory, maybe a little bit more than two months. I know it's, it adjusts a little bit, but there's maybe two, two to three months of inventory in the market. That's it, mm-hmm. at least around here um, in Dallas Fort Worth. But my big fear is that because they're really not building more homes, they're building some, it's not like they've stopped, but the numbers going this way, you know, on the, they use a housing start number, how applying for permits to build homes. The single family residences are down and they continue to go down. They are building condos. They're building apartments. They're building townhomes. They're building duplexes, um, multi-unit properties. Um, so people can rent, uh, the downside with that is that, you know, we're we're living in a world where we don't own much anymore. You know, right. um, most people or a lot of people lease their cars. Um, uh, you own your phone, sort of, mm-hmm. but it's only has shelf life yeah. of about two years. And by the time you get to that two years, you've just paid it off, and now you're having to buy another one. Um, so. And now, you know, remember when we were kids, you had CDs and DVDs and, right. you know, you owned yeah. all of your you music, of right. but now you don't. Now yeah. you pay Spotify and right. you pay, uh, uh, by the way, I'm on Spotify now, which is really mm. cool. So um, this will show Great. up there. Um, but uh, but you pay Spotify, you pay Netflix, you pay HBO, you know, a monthly subscription and everybody wants to tap into your bank account and pull money out, you know, every month. Um and there's a lot of convenience in that, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, um, it's starting to bleed into housing, and you know there's fewer and fewer houses available. It's becoming more and more expensive. Um, people aren't making enough income to keep up with the price of homes. Right. Um, I read something not too long ago. It's a little outdated now because this has been probably a year or two, but it said that um, factoring in for inflation, that the cost of college, or uh, it should say, let me back up, the cost of a car from 1995, and I think it was till I think this was like 2015, so it was like a 20 year stat. From 1995 to 2015, the cost of buying a car had gone up 300%. The cost of college education had gone up like 400%, and the cost of a home had gone up like 600%. And when you factored wow. in inflation for your income, people's incomes had only gone up like 100%. In that same amount of time. Mm. So they're not making enough money to be able to afford the amount of house that they're trying to buy. A lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck because you're just trying to pay your bills and get through life. And that's hard enough as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So you you don't have time to save money or 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 enough money to save money. So you don't have enough income to afford the price points. You don't have enough cash to be able to put down and pay the closing costs and do all that other stuff. And so we're, my fear is that we're going to get to a generation of people that just can't buy homes because they, they just can't because they're yeah. too expensive. And so yeah. then we have all this co-op living and you even see stuff now. It makes me laugh. I'll see stuff on the internet about, you know, younger people really prefer to live with everybody else yeah. in like a co-op <laughs> environment. And then they're over there going, no, no we, don't. we don't. Like when I was 24, maybe, but now I want to have a family and I want to yeah. have a yard. And, yeah. you know, so all of that stuff is, is, seems like it's starting to kind of go away, which even puts more 
emphasis on, you know, we've, if you can be in a position to buy a house, like now's the time to do right. it because it's just going to get more expensive. Yeah. You know, or what are you, are you telling your kids this kind of stuff? I am. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to, the message I'm trying to get across to people now too, is like, if you can buy now, buy is buy what you can buy now, because it's a great time to get in. There's opportunity. Like you said, the minute the rates start going down, opportunity is going to be tough. Does your son own a property in California? No, they rent. They rent out there. Yeah. Yeah. They understand how expensive it is for paying for, and I'm sure your daughter rents in in New York. York. Yes, she does. Um, She has two roommates. And and then your two kids uh, that go to school, they live together, but they Mm -hmm. rent as well. Mm -hmm. I'm sure in college. Yeah. Yeah. So are you trying to, or do they have any interest in buying homes? They do. Eventually my son talks about it a lot that he would like to, and I don't know if they'll stay out there in LA or if they'll come back to Texas, but He's always talking like that's the goal someday is to own a house. Well, that's good. Yeah. At least they're aiming in that direction, yeah. right? Yeah. What about your daughter in New York? She talked about um, it. She all? doesn't really talk about it much because she's yeah, living the life. so expensive there. And, you know, yeah. I mean, every once in a while she'll say, this apartment is only, you know, 300,000 right. or 300, which is cheap for New York, you know, yeah. but she, she gets it. She gets that it would be better if she could buy an apartment and charge her roommates, you know, to live there, that that would be, she gets it, but yep. she's just not at that point, yeah. you know, where she could do that. Well, like I said, she, the income and the, yeah. and the cash and everything yeah. you need to be able to do it. We'd all love to do it, but you mm-hmm. have to have yeah. the circumstances. But they, they do see the benefits of owning. And yeah. I do think that they would all like to do that at some point. Right. They're just not quite there yet. So, yeah, well, there's a lot of people that aren't quite there yet, and and you know I don't want my my uh, tirade or whatever you want to call it, my soapbox to <laughs> to make it sound like that. You know, you have to buy, or you, you know, you absolutely because again, it's everybody's different. You know, it's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, it's right. it's not always a a fit depending on your lifestyle. But um, but if it is something that you are considering and it is something that that people are that want to do or that have a goal for it, the as painful as it is to say mm-hmm. right now is really, yeah, you know, I mean, I could say in two months, it's a better time then because maybe prices come down some, you know, but mm-hmm. when you look at the parity between interest rates going up three or four, three or three or four hundred percent, you know, right. from three, from three percent to six yeah. percent, you know, that's a yeah. massive jump. Massive. Um, and home prices in that same period of time have only come down like three or four percent, five percent. It's been a small decline. Um, they're sitting longer as you're experiencing, mm-hmm, I am. <laughs> um, but they are still selling. Uh, it's yeah. just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's, it's tough to swallow seven and a half percent interest. Um, but seven and a half percent interest with, you know, a down payment of $10,000 is pretty good compared to 3% interest and needing $70,000. Exactly. You know, because yeah. that's that's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. And now it's not. Mm-hmm. So there are opportunities to be had. Yeah. Um, there are circumstances where uh, you can really take advantage of the market as a buyer. Um, but you got to get a good agent like Leanne to point <laughs> you in the right direction. So you know what you're getting into and what to ask for. Um, and you have to find a good lender. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> that uh, can at least give you all the options mm-hmm. and lay everything out for you because once you know it, it, it takes a little bit of the fear off of mm-hmm. it. Um, and I really do think, you know, this isn't just uh, optimism. It, well, it probably is. I'm an optimistic human, but I really do think that uh, you will see rates start to adjust. Um, the, the industry generally is thinking, you know, 
second quarter summer of next year something like that you'll start to see it it come off then and that's great um and if you think you want to wait to buy till then i understand um but we're not talking about threes probably we're talking maybe sixes or fives um as it comes down and again what that what does that come with when the rates come down leanne uh, competition competition <laughs> we're back yeah. to uh multiple offers and yeah, uh get crazy again yes now you're at five percent paying sixty thousand dollars out of pocket yeah yeah <laughs> still makes seven percent at 10 grand look a lot better right don't you think i think so all right well um we've already chewed up an hour so um yeah well i ramble on a lot so that tends to eat well, up I a lot of learn time. a lot <laughs> well, and i think one thing i always tell my buyers you know is like you're going to work with us as a team you yeah. know i send them to you and you're going to explain things and then i'm going to show them the houses and you're going to figure out how they're going to afford it and finance it so it's yep. you know it's not that scary of a thing when you think about it and you no yeah once you pull the curtain back a little bit you reveal yeah. the you know oz behind the curtain it's really not scary it's yeah. the 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 thing I like to say is just that, look, I tell buyers this all the time. Like I do this every day. This is my mm -hmm. boring job. I wake up to and go do or whatever. And um, so I understand it. I live it. This is what I do. It's not scary to me, mm -hmm. um, but they don't, right? I don't, I, I don't fix cars. If I take my car, I know nothing about right. automobiles. <laughs> if I take my car in to get it repaired, I'm just crossing my fingers that I picked a good guy that's going to take right. care of it or whatever. Right. Cause I'm not a, I'm not a metalhead or I'm a, a auto junk junkie. So um, we all have our, you know, our lanes that we mm -hmm. stay in and our, mm -hmm. our expertise. And you just have to find people that you trust um, to kind of lead you around and, and show you in the right direction. As long as they're willing to provide you information on what you're trying to do and not trying to steer you in any direction or the other, right. then that's all you can ask for. And, um, you know, I hope that uh, I hope that people understand that and know that you just got to ask a lot of questions and then think about it. But, you know, just to reiterate, it's not it prices aren't coming down right you know do um now. do it now they'll come down a little <laughs> we're bit ready. we're ready for you yes yes we're all ready we're all <laughs> we're all ready all the time so well i really appreciate you popping in thank for a few you. minutes yes. and uh I let me it. talk your ear off for an hour so um it. thank you for that sure. um and if you guys ever need any help with anything again leanne rand with front real estate she will uh she's in, a former investor herself so she has a lot of experience with that she um, has a great family of kids, so if she wants to hear stories about at raising college kids, she can certainly help you out with that exactly. too. And uh, she does listings excellent, so um, so please give her a call if you guys need anything. And um, that's all we got. You got anything you want to say before that's we pop it. off? Thank you. I okay. enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, it was fun today. Thanks for everybody that stuck with us and hung out. Um, we will see you guys again soon. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs>